Hey folks, and welcome to Drinking Alone with Friends, a podcast where three friends drink alone together. My name's Chris. What up? It's Todd. And I'm Obert. And did you happen to see that football games? Oh, the one with the the team won? They beat the other team? Yeah, I know. I'm so surprised that the other team lost, though. That was the biggest thing. There was always those controversial calls, too, from the refs. Right. But then there was also the calls that they got 100% right, you know? So you got to think about those. Right. They had the wrong calls. They had the right calls. There was the team that scored the more points and then ended <laughs> up winning. Yeah. That's, yeah, that was, it was, a, it was a very entertaining game, though. It was entertaining and boring at the same time. All, all of the games. <laughs> right. All of them. All were that of the way. games. Yep. I couldn't, I can't believe who's moved on to the next round of football games to be played. <laughs> <laughs> What's really funny is that we've record we're recording this podcast after the games are over, so like we actually do know who won. Right. I, I think we're just going to rebrand ourselves as a just purebred football podcast with our great analytics that you just heard. I th- I, th- I would tune into that for sure. Next week, <laughs> next week, some quarterbacks will throw the ball. Some running backs will run the ball, and uh, maybe Somebody's even throw catch the ball. It too. Who knows? Well, yeah, if, if if they're a certain running back, they may throw the ball. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're deep in the heart of the NFL playoffs. And uh, yeah, so I don't think any of our teams are in it. So football's over for the year. Sorry, yeah, we don't care. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, if your favorite team is still playing, ours are not. So whoa, whoa. <laughs> I, I still care. I still watch. Mm. Oh, we care. Yeah. You know, it's just a little less. A little less just enthusiasm, a, just a lot less all around like root, on this podcast. I like rooting for my players that were on my fantasy team that are still in the playoffs. That's how you decide when you're like watching a, a game. You're like, I don't really care about either of these teams too much, but I had more like this guy was a star on my team, so I'm going to root for Team A. Well, yeah, that, and I'm also in like a keeper league, so I'm like, please don't hurt yourself, please don't hurt yourself, please okay. don't hurt yourself. <laughs> mm, yeah. So, and anywho, that, and that man would be Derrick Henry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he might hurt himself. He's doing everything for that team. But been been a crazy, crazy weekend of football. Some definite upsets and some definite not so upsets. But like I said, Colts are out of it, so it doesn't even matter. And but, you're also happy that the Patriots are out of it too. Oh yeah, that's right. That was huge. Thank you to the Titans. <laughs> Thank you, Derrick Henry. <laughs> Thank you, Derrick Henry, who also <laughs> knocked out the Ravens, who I w- would have put money on winning the Super Bowl. The, but... the fighting Derrick Henrys are doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but but yeah. So um, I think because I know they pair so well together, football and drink drinking a beer. And Tud looking directly into his webcam. <laughs> Those things do pair very well together. So much right. so that they have beer for sale at most football stadiums, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Tud's doing. Tud's, I think he's trying to crawl through my screen like the girl from the ring. It's basically what's <laughs> happening right now. <laughs> So just <laughs> pulling back the curtain for our listeners. I Tud think they has... got it. That's exactly what it, <laughs> what it looked like. <laughs> I was going to say, Tud was confessing the fact that he thinks he's dying multiple times right before we started recording the podcast. So yep. I think he's trying to check to make sure he's not or is. Or I was trying to see if my pupil was dilated. <laughs> well, what's we the go. verdict? I couldn't see it. 
Because he had to look into the webcam, but also at the screen at the right. same time. It's, it's hard to stare into the webcam and look to the side where your face is. <laughs> oh, well, man. I could tell you, I looked at your pupils and they looked exactly as dilated as they should be. So don't worry. Keep podcasting. And um, I'm sure you'll be fine. Perfect. Yeah. Um, okay. So you were mentioning something about, about beer, Chris? Yes. I think beer and football go well together. So... I think we should drink some right now. Okay. There we go. <laughs> End of transition. <laughs> I'll, all right. I'll go first. Um, this is a beer that I brought back from Connecticut with me uh, on an airplane back to Montana. Um, and <laughs> it's one that is a recommendation from Blevin, Enemy of the Podcast. Oh, um, man. Yeah. It's probably, probably urine. He bought this this beer based on the... The can alone, he said it was it, the beer matched the art. So, um, in true Chris Chris fashion here, um, I'm drinking the Revival Brewing Company Infinity Paw, uh, okay. and it's a hoppy dark ale. And there's an ominous looking cat with an infinity gauntlet <laughs> with infinity gems. It was a very weird front. looking cat. Yeah, it's a Thanos cat. It says on the side, oh, snap, we brewed this hoppy dark ale to celebrate another year being awesome. This gauntlet of Earth's mightiest tops and malt delivers a powerful brew. Assemble your crew and let's party. Yeah, definitely awesome label. Awesome can art there. Yeah. Pouring it, it definitely is a very rich, dark beer. Um, It's not black. It's more of a chocolatey brown, I would say. Okay. Um, I definitely get chocolatey aromas on the nose. As well, um, this weighs in at ten and a half ABV with eighty-five IBUs. Wow! One thing I didn't get to comment on was um, you guys had a quick IBU course while I was while I was gone, and I'm glad that we we cleared that up because I don't think we've really delved into that before. Yeah, I couldn't remember, but it was yeah. definitely a learning opportunity for everybody. <laughs> Yeah, my my rule of thumb is it's like zero, roughly zero to a hundred, right? So eighty five on the scale is going to be pretty hoppy. Well, you can go above a hundred. You can go above a hundred. It's like Fahrenheit, right? You can go below zero in Fahrenheit. You can't go below zero in IBUs, but you can go over a hundred as well. But hundred is basically where you're topping out most places. Mm, yeah. But so I think that the the strong malt character that I'm seeing here um, is probably going to help balance out that super hoppiness but i've never had a hoppy dark ale before with that being said i'm just gonna go right for it yeah and and i don't think we've talked about revival on the pod before either which is a very solid brewery out of rhode island Hmm. anyway i don't think we have either yeah i don't know if we've ever had a rhode island beer on the podcast which is weird we must have someone must have done like a captain's daughter or something like that i don't know yeah um this is good the flavor matches that aroma for sure this tastes like a mouthful of chocolate uh it's not super sweet the hop bitterness definitely cuts into the sweetness but i get a very rich caramel chocolate toasted roasted banana not minus banana (laughs) but toasted (laughs) toasted and roasted flavors in here for sure it it's a very clean finish it doesn't really stick on the palate all that long uh it's not super thick either it hides the ten and a half percent ABV reasonably well. Um, you know, blindly I would guess this would be eight. You know, it doesn't. It's definitely not a six percent ABV beer, but it doesn't 
it doesn't really hit you in the face with all that high alcohol content. Oh, wow. That's a lot higher than I would have guessed. So we mentioned that this is a beer from Revival Brewing Company, and they are out of Cranston, Rhode Island. Um, I have personally never been there. Um, they make a few tasty beers. Their Night Swimmer is one of my personal favorites. That one's um, really good. Maybe we should ask our, res- our, our New England resident of the podcast, Todd, have you been to Revival? No. Okay. How about anybody else on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I have gone to Revival. Well, thank before. you for jumping in, Chris, yeah. by the way. Well, you, you were so rude and went straight to Todd. So, you know, I didn't... Um, I, I guess Revival's been around for a while. They were they were a brewery when you were still living in Connecticut, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I went there with a friend, um, and it's a pretty cool spot. I mean, they have they have like an upstairs, and this was this was probably like three or four years ago now. But they had a upstairs and a downstairs, and the upstairs bar was really nice. But then like the downstairs bar was kind of like uh, nice too. It, it was like more. Uh, what? How, how? Remember the the Green Man, the the original Green Man Brewery that we went to. That yeah. was like yeah, more, very di- very dirty. Well, dirty how, I don't know if dirty is the right word. Confused how it like, got an A on the the health board rating. Yeah, it had rustic so charm. The downstairs one is there. We go. Shit. <laughs> the <hole>. downstairs <laughs> is is a lot like that. You know, just way more laid back. Um, they do have a different selection on each floor, so which is pretty cool. Um, but, oh, that's neat. Yeah, so. Yeah, it was it was a really cool spot and really good beer. Although I guess it would be annoying if you wanted a downstairs beer and people in your party wanted an upstairs beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you can transcend the stairs with beer, but um, would, but they also do. I, mean, the, I would hope so. What is it? The white electric coffee stout is another one of their big ones that they do. Oh that, yeah, I've seen that that's one. That's very good. The, the with the with the red monkey on the front. Yeah, I was so gonna say. A, that, I thought there was like a red gorilla or something on that front of that one. Yeah, that's a good one. I think I've only had like two or three of Revival's beers. I don't think I've ever had more than like Are You Thirsty and the the Swimmer one. Oh, wow. you should go. I think you should go out of your way because we don't like we don't talk about Rhode Island breweries that often. But um, I think Revival's got some good stuff. Yeah, they do for sure. So, Obert, what would you rate this Infinity Paw? It's a very good question. Um, I'm gonna say this is a three seven five for me. Okay. Last week I brought a four to the pod. This doesn't quite reach that level. I think I think if you took this beer and you threw it in a barrel with like some vanilla, now we're talking four category. Mm. Hmm. Add, add a little bit of sweetness to cut out that bitter, right? Yeah, I think it just needs like one more layer of complexity. Um, not to sound too okay. much of a beer snob, but this is, it's a hoppy dark ale. It's dark, it's hoppy. They could take this and do some really fun stuff with it. I'm sure I would love to see some other variants of this. Um, they may do that in their brewery. Yeah, right? I, if if you're in Revival and you're listening to this podcast, take my advice. <laughs> or maybe you already <laughs> do. And if so, let us know. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a, it's a solid beer, but I could see it getting even better. So, okay. What do you think the Untappediverse thinks of all this? Um, well, I think the untapped diverse probably gives it even a little bonus for the very cool infinity paw can art. So mm. I think that they give it a three, nine, two, 
Ooh, so close. Uh, three nine nine. Oh, wow. that's a pretty really high rating. Close. It, very high, and it's but there's only 132 check-ins. So again, we're running into that category of you know very low check-ins. Like your 3.75 is going to bring it down to like a 3.98. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> there is one quote on this can that I think that you both would appreciate as cat owners, and it's from the brewmaster Sean Larkin, and it says, "I'm like a cat." trained to do whatever I want. <laughs> so I probably said that when he brewed this hobby dark ale, cause it is a very unique style. One that I haven't seen a lot of around. Yeah. I'm, I'm generally a big fan of like your hoppy dark ales or black IPAs as they're called elsewheres. Like I've, I've had quite a few of them. Um, knee deep did one. I forgot what it's called, but it's like midnight something. And that was, that was a very good one too, but uh, I don't see them often though. So whenever I see them, I'm like, gotta get the black IPA. <laughs> like, yeah. just gotta. So, yeah, it's interesting thinking about this as a black IPA because it, I did mention it is super bitter with 85 I- IBUs, but this is definitely more malt forward than most black IPAs I've had. Okay. All right. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't go as far to call this an IPA because it doesn't, even though the bitterness number is high, it doesn't really hit my palate that way. Hmm. That's interesting. Black IPAs are never really my thing. I kind of avoid them. I don't know why that is. I just they just don't do it for me for some reason. Good, more for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of beers for you, Chris, what are you oh. bringing tonight? Oh, that was good. Ooh. Um, so I'm I'm working my way through my my Jenna box, and um, this, this is three one, in a row, right? Yeah, this is three in a row. Yeah, um, tic tac toe. <laughs> Uh, no, but she sent me so many cool, diverse beers, and I want to get through them. Um, I actually drank one earlier today that did is never is not going to make it on the podcast. Okay, well, I was just about to say I appreciate you saving them all for uh, the show. Almost all. <laughs> but, of them. Uh, hey, I get it. Sometimes you get a cool, cool beer, and you're like, you know, I I can't wait till Sunday, Sunday night. So just can't wait. But this one, I did want to bring onto the pod because I know this is like one of the gateway beers for Jenna and that is Eagle Brewery and their banana bread beer. So, oh. Yeah. So I know Interesting. I don't know if you've listened to the podcast or followed her on Instagram at the brew locker. Um you will know that this is one of her like gateway beers, all-time favorite beers and she was nice enough to send one over to me. So, I wanted to pay homage to her again third week in a Apparently row. Apparently she's going to be sending me beer now too. Yeah, see, there you go. I complained enough, and she offered to send me. Well, beer. she did say Chris <laughs> sent her beer to her first, so right. Yes, I think I think you got to give. I think you got to give her some back if she ever sends you some. I could do that. I mean, it's not like I don't have plenty of beer. But anywho, getting back to the beer, nice dark, nice dark color, but very clear, very filtered. I can see right through it. If I put it right up to my glasses, I can see. Right- hey, you just pulled a me, but with with with, with, a, with my beer, with a laptop mic. Uh, with your beer oh <laughs> that looks like apple juice to me is yeah that it's about a, what color it is it, a little darker it's a little darker than apple juice but along the like you're on this you're on the right trail on the nose i mean a very heavy not overpowering banana flavor but you can tell there's banana in there but i do smell a decent amount of malt because if i read the can correctly it's supposed to taste just like banana bread so uh but let's see let's see how it stacks up I wonder if it's going to be similar to uh, Samuel Smith's banana bread stout or banana bread ale or whatever it is. They make a banana bread beer. 
Oh, yeah. I think I might have been confusing this one for that one because the labels do look very similar. Apparently, I've had this beer. Chris has before, too. Oh. Robert, you have not. And if you have, you haven't checked it in. Apparently, Chris, you and I drank it together. Really? You drank it in South Windsor with me. Oh, well, that's going to be interesting. How long ago was that check-in? It's Eagle Brewery, right? Yeah. Uh, December 10th, 2016. Okay, so this is that's three years ago. Just just over three years ago. So this is going to be interesting. Let's see how my tastes have, have developed over the last few years, especially with drinking so much beer. Yeah, Chris, you're not allowed to drink anything that doesn't count towards our new new beer's resolution. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it. I got to chug this one and get a new beer. <laughs> um, so I'm going to just preface this with it's good. It's definitely got... Um, it, you get a strong banana flavor. Um, however, there is some like synthetic banana flavor, you know, like fake banana flavor. Like um, banana runs. Fobana. Yes, Fobana. It's it's good. Um, there's definitely some like nice sweet crystal malts um, in there, giving it a nice sweetness. Um, not overpowering at all. It is um, very an easy drinker at 5.2%. Um it tastes like um, it does. I mean, maybe not my banana bread, but it, I could see how a banana bread would taste this way. You know what I mean? So, so there's a lot of banana, some fake banana, but not a lot of bread. Not as much bread. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit of maltiness. It's it's a good beer. It's a good beer. Um, it's not something to write home about. It's not. I mean, it's very it's very sweet, but nice and clean. Not heavy at all. I think I'm gonna give it a three two five untapped. It's a good beer. I would definitely drink it again. Nice. So, do you can you see how this was a, a good gateway beer for Jenna? Does she still like it? Do you know, or is was it like? I believe she does. And yes, if you're because, I mean, beer is such a diverse like thing to drink, and there's so many different kinds and so many different hops, and there's bitters and there's sours and there's sweet sweet beers so like and you could even just, have a whole podcast where you have like 70 something episodes talking about many different kinds of beers for example <laughs> right yeah three potentially three, i don't know if that's really a viable podcast idea. yeah <laughs> we're finding out <laughs> no um but it's it's definitely like a nice easy low-key beer it's not too it doesn't attack you on like either front so as long as you like banana um you can it's i can see how this is like a good starting point you start with the banana bread beer, then you get the banana banana pie beer, and then you banana get the... foster beer. <laughs> yeah, banana split then, beer. Yeah, yeah banana split. You go banana split beer, and then then and you drink ice cream milkshake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so good. Uh, but um, so I can definitely, if this was like one of the first beers that you had, um, I can see how you can build upon it because it is it's there's it's not bitter. It's nice and sweet. It tastes like banana. Um, really, really easy drinker. So, um, but yeah. So, Tud, I know you said we drank this three years ago. Oh, I'm gonna guess three point six seven on untapped for the for the universe. Yeah, and I'm also curious. I'm also curious what I rated this three years ago. So, well, apparently your your palate hasn't changed much because you rated it a three two five back in 2016. Okay. All right. Perfect. So I'm right on par. Yep. Okay. And out of 167,000 check-ins, holy crap. Untapped has deemed this to be a 3.56. Okay. All right. So, overall it's a pretty it's just a solid beer. And they label it as a fruit beer. Uh, well, yeah. banana is a fruit, so. 
That's true. Yeah. I just don't. If they called it a vegetable beer, I don't know if I would buy that. But it's a bread beer. Yeah. I just don't picture it like. Does that make Clamato a a fruit beer? (laughs) No. That makes it terrible. (laughs) I just, I don't, I picture fruit beers being like more sweet. And more like like soury, I guess. Yeah, I kind of I kind of tend to think that my fruit beers are sours as well. But I mean, this is this is sweet. It is not sour, but it is sweet. Um, but good beer. Thank you again, Jenna. I'm glad I was able to share this with you, even though I apparently had already had it before. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, Tud, do you want to bring our third beer on our seventy second episode on a beer drinking podcast? <laughs> Am I supposed to say nope here? Yeah, nope. I think you are. Okay. I can All try right. again. It's, it's time for that frosty mug, folks. We're going to pull it down. And... <laughs> <laughs> no. T- so today I brought to the pod the Grand Reserve Ale from Chimay. Ooh. Uh, it's, oh. Be- it's Belgian. Um, it's a 2017 version according to the the cork in the top. So you know, it's been aged. Uh, I found it at the grocery store, so I picked it up because I was like, well, I don't see these very often. It's right. a big bottle, Might too. Well. It is a massive bottle. <laughs> What's the volume you got there? Bigger than a bomber, I can tell you that. That one goes to 11? Yeah, this one is 1.9.4 uh, fluid ounces. 9% ABV. What's that in metric? I have no idea. No, it doesn't say on there? Okay, never mind. <laughs> no, it does not. Oh, wait, hang on. Yeah, 75 CL. Okay, so you got three quarters of a liter. There we go. That's how much beer I'm drinking. So... It's a lot. It's in my nice new Lupuleto glass. Ooh. With the guy picking the the hot plant. That's a nice nice glass. Uh, Looks like he's harvesting hot uh, malts to me. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So as you guys can see, it's very dark, as you would expect to be from a Belgian. I actually... Most Belgians aren't dark. See, I always think of them being dark. I don't know. We could get into that later, but uh, but this is a dark Belgian. Yeah, you can definitely you can still see through it. Um, not very well, but I mean, it is it is more brown than it is black. Uh, let's check it out. I think this is a return of a beer, if I'm not mistaken. It's definitely made our Instagram feed before. I don't know if it's been on the podcast. I drank one on my birthday when I was in Italy. Well, didn't, yeah, didn't Obert drink one? I a had a Chimay beer, but it was not this reserve. It was not the same oh, okay. reserve right. beer. So yeah. different Chimay. Okay. So it definitely tastes like a Belgian. A lot of really super dark fruits, plums, kind of just, I mean, it's it's your standard Belgian. I don't taste a lot of banana, which, you know, we usually get in a lot of a Belgians. It's definitely very sweet. Uh, it's, you know, it tastes more boozy than it actually is. I mean, it's 9% ABV, but it tastes significantly more boozy than that it's you know i think i when i think of belgians i think of chimay as being like that off the shelf belgian company that that's what they do you know they're they're the budweiser of of the netherlands (laughs) yes yes essentially yeah a lot of malts a lot of a lot of uh a lot of plums maybe some dates mixed in there uh a solid beer i mean as i think we've discussed before belgians are not my strong suit uh I like them just fine, but I don't really go out of my way to get them. The The reason I got this one is because it was, you know, special because I just happened to stumble upon it. It is a Trappist beer, so it is brewed by the monks out in uh, the Scormont Abbey and bottled by Beers de Chimay in Belgium. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So overall, really good. Uh, it's, a, you know, Barley's 
it's a barley beer um so that's the malt background so it's it, it definitely has a lot of that barley in this flavor to it kind of like a quinoa almost interesting description i'll let it slide <laughs> keep in mind i'm dying today too so right there you go that's the only reason yeah oh so overall pretty good i would give this probably i'll give it a three and a half mm, okay good beer not my favorite but i definitely get the the i definitely appreciate the style mm. yeah because i was about to say you're you're like me you're not a big belgian guy correct right no we have not had a lot of belgian beers on the podcast that's because two-thirds of them <laughs> don't, don't really <laughs> like it but we got to fight through it, though. <laughs> well, and that's what I was saying. I was like, I don't know what it is, but I've had a few Belgians more recently that I'm like, oh, these actually aren't that bad. So I think I'm developing a taste for them. But it's, very yeah, it's a new year. Time to start appreciating new styles of beer. Yeah. New year, new I Belgian. I think it's fair to say that that's an acquired style of beer taste, too. Yeah. It just it just doesn't taste, I guess for lack of a better term, doesn't taste as fruity and as light and wonderful as I want it to taste. Well, I was surprised. I have not seen a Belgian beer that as dark as the one that you have on tonight. Does it um, stick with you at all? Is it is it a thicker beer or not? No, really? it's it's no, it's just like a normal Belgian style beer. I mean, I wouldn't even say that there's you know, obviously because of the colors there there's dark malts in it, but I don't taste much dark maltiness to it. It's not like a doesn't have any hint of like a stout or a porter style like malt backbone to it. It has that typical. Belgian taste where it's just for the lack of a better term it's like cough medicine almost like you know what I mean where it's just kind of got that pungent flavor well hopefully it keeps you alive for the rest of this episode so so hopefully the medicinal pro <laughs> properties are working so to end this review I think that untapped probably gives this a people like Belgians right I mean for the most part <laughs> they so. are a, they are a popular style of beer so I'm going to say it's probably higher than me, but it's probably not a four. So I'm going to split the difference and do 3.86. Well, you were right. It is higher than you, and it is not a four. It is a 3.94. The Chimay Blue Grand Reserve. That's what you're drinking, correct? Mm. Yeah, for the normal or for 2017 or... Um, oh, you have the 2017 version. Okay. The 2017, that was the normal. The 2017 is a 385. So oh. Pretty close. Uh, what did you say? 386? 386. You're so, that's the closest we've been. Well, we, yeah, we've been, we've been a hundredth off a couple of times now. What do we get when we get it right? I don't know. Um, you get all of our, all of our listeners get a free sticker. Yes. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll we'll make a special sticker that says I got it. You guessed it, it right. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll send it out to anybody who emails us. It could be the 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 United it could be Uncle Sam pointing at you and it says you right. got, it. got it. There we go. Yeah. I was thinking we could probably just make stickers that have like the Liberty Bell and say forever underneath and get those <laughs> <laughs> I know we can get some of those stickers. But uh... <laughs> Oh, cool. Um, but no, we you know we were talking about how we don't have Belgian beers on the podcast that often, and yeah, I like, think it was like literally two seconds ago just talking about it. And I think it was last week. Yeah, that's a good point, Ted. I think it was last week that I was talking about. You know, we don't really know the difference between a double and a triple and a quad and the other Belgian styles, right? 
So I figured, you know, I did some research in the time off, and fortunately, it coincided with the fact that Ted brought another Belgian beer this week. I'm I'm committing to this, by the way, for 2020. By the end of the year, I will have drank more Belgians than I ever have before, just for the sole purpose of getting myself out of the comfort zone. There we go. Yeah. So this is a beer. This is an article from the website Thrillist.com, and it's everything you could possibly need to know about Belgian beer. And I found it handy because, yeah, it's it's a tiny country with a lot of different beer styles. And I, in my mind, when I say Belgian beer, that kind of lumps everything back together. And you could be like, oh, that's an American beer uh, if, if you lived in Europe and just think of how many different American beers there are. So they they say in this article that Belgian beers are not easy to categorize, like we we're talking about today with the hoppy dark ale versus a, a black IPA, right? Like there's some there's some boundaries, right? That kind of blur stuff blurs on either side of the line. Mm. But uh, just a quick run through of this article, it starts talking about what does Trappist mean, and if you are unfamiliar with what Trappist means. We covered it previously on an episode. The Actually, it was the episode where I previously had a Belgian beer. And I don't have that in front of me right now, but I will link to our old episode in the show notes where we talk about what, what Trappist monks are. The bottom short answer is it's, it's beer that was brewed in a monastery um, is what makes a, a Trappist beer. And there are 11 Trappist breweries in the world. Chimay being one of them. Chimay is one of them. That's right. But, you know, to get answer that question we asked last week, what is a double, what is a triple, what is a quad? This is this is how the article breaks down. So a double is between six to seven point six percent alcohol. They this is how they describe the taste. They say it's malt driven, rich, and raisinated dried fruit flavors. I like that description because I feel Ooh. like hmm. I feel like it's accurate. Yeah. Almost like dehydrated. Raisins is, is a key thing thing i would agree that this this beer tastes like raisins yeah yeah and i think it's in addition to that it's also when they say raisinated dried fruit flavors i think that to mean like when you get like the pineapple rings or other other dried fruit like it kind of condenses that sweetness and um leaves it with that raisiny flavor and that dark it's it's got like that dark flavor too like Mm. you know i picture raisins they're sweet but they're also very like rich yeah, rich like like a brown banana, like the same yeah. same flavor style, overripe. Right mm. there, you go. Um, so this is interesting. Um, according to the Oxford Companion to Beer, the name double may come from the medieval practice of marking beer barrels with X's to denote alcoholic strength, since most people were illiterate. The XX mark thus became known as double D U B B E L. And we still call it that today, even though at least half of our brewers out there can read and write. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. that's funny. That's cool. Yeah. So they some examples are the Chimay Red and the New Belgium Abbey um, mm. is what they they described as some some common doubles you'll find out there. Now the triple picks up where the double left off at seven point five to nine point five percent alcohol. That they describe the taste as spicy, bright fruit with a ton of carbonation and a truly deceptive lack of an alcoholic burn, despite the higher ABV. So I get the last part about that. I don't think it's this one's very carbonated, and I don't think this is. I I, I don't think it's bright. Oh, I can see the spiciness though. 
Well, is that a triple? It's nine percent. So yeah, but yours, you have a dark, a dark yeah, ale, right? Yeah, I think it's considered a strong dark Belgian. Right. Well, we'll get into that. Oh, okay. That's a different category than than triple. So you're telling me to stop talking about my beer while you're doing this segment? <laughs> no, no. I think I think your beer is yet to come on the list for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, they the Chimay example on their list is Sync Sense C I N Q C E N C E N T S. Oh, so so describing this triple, it says even though they are higher in alcohol than doubles, triples somewhat confusingly are lighter in color, more of a yellowish golden color as opposed to doubles dark brown. Um, most would argue that the best versions of this beer are not on draft, as bottle conditioning is seen by many as a vital step in producing a well-balanced triple. Interesting. They recommend it to pair with any rich, fatty, or creamy foods like a New England clam chowder. So I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. I'm going to have to keep this in mind now. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I always like to talk about good food pairing, but I don't have the experience with, I, in my mind, a good beer is best experienced by itself. I know that you can pull certain things out by pairing beer with other foods, but, um, I, I think if I'm having a really good beer, it's, it stands by itself. Well, I think that's something that like, I would love to, to know more about how to pair beer like that because, I agree beer is really good by itself, but at the same time, if you're going to get other flavors pulled out of the beer or your food because you're mixing them together, you know, stands to reason that you probably should do that too. Right. Now, mm-hmm. That's why you always maybe, buy two beers instead of one beer. Exactly. Maybe we should <laughs> Maybe we should have a segment. Todd, maybe you should do like Todd's Kitchen where we have you, you pair a meal. You make a meal while we record a podcast. <laughs> how long are, How long is your headphone cords? How long is that <laughs> microphone cable? Well, it's, it, it's not very long, but it's a good thing, though. I record on a laptop, so oh, it is a mobile you station. You record yeah. from anywhere. Just make sure you put it on the burner you're not using. <laughs> yes. All right. Continuing along here. Next is the Belgian Dark Strong Ale. Ooh, yeah. I recognize this one. This is so that's eight, not a quad. This well, uh, well, we're getting there. Yeah, can't. This is eight to twelve percent alcohol. In most cases, these are big, bold, and intense with spices such as cloves and pepper and dried fruit like figs, cherries, and plums. Sounds familiar, Ted? Blending to create a balance of sweetness, malt, and alcohol. Mm. And um, they say, if you're wondering where Trappist Quadruple was on this list, you found it. This is a difficult-to-define category that boasts some of the most sought-after beers in the world, especially the Trappist ones like West D12. This is sometimes the style you're also dealing with if you see a label sporting Abbey Ale. Well, I mean, this Mm. one did say that it was brewed in an Abbey. I would say that, yeah, there's definitely a lot of those darker fruits in it. Uh, it is a darker beer. I don't know what a clove tastes like, though, so I can't tell you if this is very clovey. But I don't get a lot of black pepper. I can say that for I know what I know. What black pepper is. I've had it. I can't tell you, <laughs> but I can't tell you if clove if clove is what I'm tasting. Yeah. Well, so was this say on your label that this is a Belgian dark strong ale? Uh, Untapped told me it was. Right. So this this is the category that that it falls in. And again, I, I want to highlight that they talk about it being a difficult to define. So I could see how, you know, not all dark, strong yells are the same. They're like all IPAs aren't all the same. So just because right. you're not pulling out those cloves and pepper spices doesn't mean that there aren't Belgian dark, strong yells out there that meet that. Mm. I, think, I think with this one in particular, I get a lot more like 
I know it doesn't describe this on your your list. A lot more, a lot more like caramel, I mm. guess, or yeah. caramel, however you want to say it. It's pronounced pecan. Yeah, it's pecan <laughs> or pecan. I mean, who who cares? Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. But it, I get a lot of caramel on it, which is weird. Nice. And maybe that's clo- like well, yet again. Don't know what a clove tastes like, but maybe cloves tastes like caramel too. I, I don't think cloves taste like caramel, but. <laughs> But I mean, well, when like, we talk with, about the balance of sweetness, malt, and alcohol, to me, that sounds right. Caramel. It yeah. sounds like it could be. I mean, with all those crystal, crystal malts, dark malts, yeah, there, can definitely pick up some caramel notes. They recommend it to be paired with um, very flavorful foods. They said washed rind cheeses, grilled meats, hefty stews, rich chocolate desserts all well, work well here. I might there have to go. head back over to Stop and Shop and grab another bottle and make a steak or something. There you go. There we go. Um, and last week I had on the podcast a Flanders Red. Right. Is that that's a Trappist style too? That is a Belgian style. Um, I'm sure that there are Trappist versions, but um, typically ranks at four and a half to six and a half percent. It's a medium-bodied beer with fruity flavors such as black cherry and currants that can be bracingly sour tannic and complex which often draws its comparisons to red wine and thinking back to my last week's review about how i was talking about that sour beer absolutely definitely holds true they say the beers age in oak barrels for up to two years which gives it that distinct sour edge microorganisms living in the wood affect fermentation and it's the same bacteria that eventually turns wine into vinegar so Hmm. i can see how it gives it that bite for sure so is there like a a vinegar mother or like a like is there like a mother like bacteria that grows in the beer well now you're gonna make me try and pronounce the bacteria which i was really trying to avoid but um (laughs) (laughs) they they talk about lactobacillus and acetobacter b-a-c-t-e-r acetobacter sure we'll go with that so those are those are the microorganisms that um that turn wine into vinegar Interesting. Yeah. Um, this article goes into a lot more styles that we didn't talk about, such as Belgian Blondes, Belgian Pale Ales, Golden Strong, Lambics, uh, Wit Beers. Those, they all share the same wild flavors. But um, if you want to learn the distinctions between some of these, as well as, you know, I see Saison on the list, check out the article in the show notes. We've already highlighted some of the information here. But uh, to find out a whole lot more, check it out. You, can you go to a Trappist brewery? Like, I know, it's a, I know it's a monastery. So if you drove up to Chimay, for example, would they let you in? So that's a great question, Todd. And um, a former coworker of mine told me about the best beer he ever had. And he had it at the one of the 11 Trappist breweries in the world in Belgium. And they have a certain allotment. It's it sounds like a, a a monkish version of Treehouse, where you go up, you get in line, and there's only a certain amount you can get per day per person. And some of these super sought after beers are only available if you go and physically pick them up in person uh, from some of these breweries. And I would love to know how the one in Massachusetts. Um, I don't know if it's the only one in America, but the American one that we've talked about on the podcast before, I'd love to know how they operate. 
So and maybe we'll have to send you there on a on a field trip for the pod. <laughs> so I'd be open to it. Oh, um, I actually was just <laughs> looking it up. It's called Spencer Brew. Right. Oh, yeah. That's right. Spencer. That's what it's called. It's slightly west of Worcester. It's only about 59 minutes from my house. Um, I've, I mean, they have a location at the Big E every year where you can just go in and get some beer. But I would love to to go up there and take a look and see what it's like and see if I can get beer from them. Um, I think it'd just be cool. It'd be cool to see because I'm sure, you know, because it is a monastery, it's probably a really old building that, you know, there's half a dozen to you know multiple dozen monks living there brewing my beer. I like to think that it's just like a very peaceful, solemn place um, with, because, uh, and we talked about this on our episode where we talked about the Trappist monks is, and they feel like they're, they're calling the way that uh, they brings us religious harmony is to, to do something useful for the world. And, and they do that by brewing beer. Mm. And um, that's, that's their way of giving back to the world and um, earning money for the monastery. Now, do they have to take a code of like? I know a lot. Some monks take codes of silence. When I go there, is it going to be a quiet place because like they're also silenced? So, so you are asking me about stuff. I am purely speculating at this point, but I would g- gather it's it's definitely a more solemn environment than going to a lot of other breweries that you can crack open a beer and have a flight and, and have a good time. I wouldn't be surprised if, if there was very little drinking on premises of, of visitors. Well, well, like we said, we have to send Tud on a recon mission. So you guys send me some gas money and I will go there on assignment. Maybe we should make that a Patreon tier. How does that sound? <laughs> if you want to, if you want to hear Tud, tell us all about Spencer and their Trappist beers. Help us reach our Patreon goal of $10 a month. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. That's a good one. I actually just uh, posted something on Patreon. So there you go. You can go ahead and get some additional content there as well. So as much as I would love to talk about Belgian beer uh, for a whole extra hour. Well, thank you. <laughs> By the way, thank you for, for teaching us. Right. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. That was yeah, very, very I, learned a lot today. I think that was, I think that was highly entertaining. Um, I know that the listeners really like that part of this podcast. So thanks, Obert. Mm. Well, I, I'm, glad Rogan. Could, I'm glad that we could bring it on. Um, either one is fine. I'll accept either. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you caught me mid-transition as I was as I was reaching into our freezer to pull down our frosty mug of wisdom with its three handles of advice, TV shows, movies, songs, uh, musical wisdom-y acts, wisdom. wisdomy wisdom. Um, to share with our audience. And um, I think, Chris, you should start this week because what do you got? What do you got for us? Yeah. So this is actually while you're up there in the freezer getting the frosty mug, there's something else you can reach for that's in there. And it's something that I bought a few years ago and it changed my life forever. And ice cubes? <laughs> it, <laughs> it's sort of like ice cubes. If the guys, ice you can make work. water in the fo- in the small little like solid balls, <laughs> exactly. And it can make your your drinks cooler. Right now, it's like that, but built into a cooler. <gasps> so I bought this little six pack hold six pack cooler um, that has these like pack these pockets of refreezable gel, I guess, um, and it's it's insulated on the top and bottom, and then uh, it has these uh, like 
ice packs of sorts around the side. So you just freeze it, fold it up, freeze it. Then when you want to, you know, you're going tailgating or you're going somewhere, you want to keep your drinks nice and cold, you take it out of the freezer, zip it on up. You can throw six 16-ounce cans in there and boom, there you go. You're, you're you know, all set. I have one of these. Yeah, they're amazing. They're so cool. Hang on, I'm confused because it sounds to me like you're describing a cooler with an ice pack. No, no, no. It's built yeah. into the cooler. Yeah, yeah. So instead of throwing an ice pack in the cooler, right. the walls of the cooler are the ice pack. Yes. Okay, so so the ice pack has a zipper on it. No. Kind of. No. Basically, <laughs> basically, it's an ice pack that you can stick beer Fold in. into a cooler. But it's also shaped <laughs> like a cooler. It's like, it's like an ice pack origami. <laughs> what, is the, can you, what is the name of this product? Freezable cooler. I don't, uh, I don't remember what. The, what How it, am I supposed to put a link to that in the show notes? I'll send you a link. <laughs> I try to Google it now to figure out what the hell you guys are talking about. What are you talking about? You, you are you, you really have... struggling with this? Like think, like think of like a lunchbox, like a soft sided lunchbox. Yeah. But on the on the four walls of the lunchbox, not the top or the bottom, built into the the wall of the lunchbox are gel packs. The gel packs put in the freezer so they freeze and get really really hard and cold. Here. I'm sending you I'm sending you the bigger one. I don't even have this one. I have a six can one. So you have to keep a cooler in your taking up space in your freezer all the time? Yeah. There we go. Here he is. Well not all the time, but like you know Flexi Freeze, uh, freezeable nine can cooler. Boom. Let's say about five hours before you need it. Okay. So it's not it doesn't live in your freezer. Mine lives in my freezer. Okay. Yeah, mine I mean I have a secondary freezer, so it, it lives in my freezer. Yeah. But it is pretty awesome. I use it a lot. And if I'm ever going somewhere and never have to worry about, you know, oh, man, you know, I have to get a cooler and then get ice and fill it up and all that stuff. I'm just like, nope, boom, zip, 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 ready yeah. to go. You never have to shove an ice pack into the cooler either. So, like, mm. you're not taking up room with an ice pack. You can add more beer. Right. So, I currently have I have the one that Chris just sent us, which is a 12-can holder. Um, unless he sent us a bigger one. I sent but, I sent the nine can one, but yes. Okay, so I have a twelve can holder, and it's great. I mean, you can pretty much go anywhere you want, and your beer will be icy, f- freezing cold when you're ready to drink it. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm devil's advocate. Maybe I'm a little skeptical on this whole thing. But I I guess I just don't understand why you can't just keep the uh, the ice packs in the freezer, and then it would just take up less space than a whole cooler. Yeah, you could do that, but look at so look at the second picture from the Amazon thing. And instead of taking up room with an ice pack, it's, it's just built, built into, into the, the walls. walls. So you so you don't lose any space. Okay, listeners, let us know. Am I am I the crazy one or are these two crazy? Because I don't get it. I don't see the big deal. But um if you know what, that's cool. Good good third good first third of our wisdom. Thanks, Chris, for your frosty handle of Goodness. Well, you know, I'm going to say two thirds of the podcast likes it. Obert does not. So, Obert yeah, is, you know, Obert is wrong on this can. On this uh, one. I think clearly, it's time that yeah. Chris and I start like shitting on Obert's handles. Yeah, I know, that's right? Fine. Well, what are you going to do? Socks for the fifteenth time? <laughs> 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 All right, I'm taking the frosty mug right now, and I'm filling it with some wisdom. Socks. Um, I want to recommend a band, uh, and that band oh, is real, is, real original. That band is called Rush. Oh, damn it. I can't even shit on this one. I can't. Yeah. I will go this far. 
the the drummer from Rush, Neil Peart, he uh, passed away unexpectedly from brain cancer uh, out of yeah. the blue. And and Rush is one of my one of my all time favorite bands. Uh, Chris and I once drove to Toronto to see them. Yep, uh, incredible show. I'm really happy mm-hmm. I got to see them live one more time. And uh, YYZ Airport. Yeah, with Neil Peart's death, it's really the end of the band um, as it exists. And uh, it's sad to see them go. So I've been jamming out to a lot of Rush this whole weekend uh, in memoriam. So I thought it was only fitting that I brought it on the podcast to share with all of our listeners because they rock really hard. And Neil mm-hmm. Pert was one of the best, if not the best drummers of all time. So um, I'm going to put a link to uh, Neil Pert drum solo in the show notes so you can listen to what an amazing drummer he he was on this uh, three person band that is Rush. That you know, we when Chris and I saw them in 2015, that was their 40th anniversary tour. So they've been rocking for a very long time. But you know, I remember the first time I was ever introduced to their music, and it was one of those bands that you know, as soon as I listened to it, I knew I was hooked. And maybe you've never heard Rush before, so if you haven't. Check them out. Maybe it'll. Maybe you'll enjoy their music as well. Shit on that, motherfuckers. <laughs> I can't even like. And I, you text. I think you text me. Yeah, and let me know. You were you were the one that broke the news to me, and I didn't even know. But I mean, I've seen. I saw Rush seven times. No, that was that. Was, hey, that was me. I think. I don't think. Let's well, so. over text you without me. Yeah, he did. Um, I texted. I texted on uh, Chris and Chris and Dan thread. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I've seen Rush seven times and they're just, they're just, they're awesome. Um, and they put on an amazing show. It's really sad because like, like Obert was saying, he's just, he's, he's the greatest drummer of all time. And um, I'm glad I got to see him. Um, sad that he's gone, but you know, I'm going to make sure CJ listens to a ton of Rush and he's all, He's a big uh, rush head, just like all the three. Well, me, me, over and Dan. So, um, but yeah, um, what's your favorite Rush song, over? Um, well, I was gonna recommend an album because I think Rush is best experienced in album form, and I think mm-hmm. if if he, I was gonna introduce anyone to Rush, I would hand them a Moving Pictures CD. Yeah, that's I think that's one of their their most approachable albums. Um, them and peak peak Rushness for sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. Mm. Now, what is that's what Tom Sawyer, YYZ, right? Cam Those I, are the two big ones. Uh, off Red there, Barchetta, right? I think, is on there as Red well. Red Barchetta's on that one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a solid album. Did you go to the show where they played the Moving Pictures album over? I don't think so. Okay. All right. I must have went with Dan or something. I don't remember. But. So I do have to disagree with one thing that that you guys have said. So a so. I'm not really a big Rush fan, but I do appreciate the music. I do appreciate the, the musicianship of the band. I don't think... I think Neil Peart was probably the second best drummer or third best drummer ever. You can argue that. I, I, I mentioned that I think he was one of the best um, or the best. In my mind, he's the best. But if you don't think so, that's your opinion. So now as an, as an interesting aside here, who is the best living drummer? I don't know. Why don't you tell us, Todd? Who do you think the best drummer is? No, I'm just I I've been I've been battling with I've been having this conversation not battling, but having this conversation with other people throughout the entire weekend too. And after his passing, 
I think it's safe to say that there's not another drummer out there that matters, I guess. Like, like you could say <laughs> Dave Grohl, but, like, he's not a drummer anymore. Right. You could say, uh, yeah. you could say Ringo Starr from, like, from obviously from Beatles fame, but he's not a drummer anymore either. And right. it's, it's... What about, like, Tommy Lee? But he's like, he's retired. So it's kind of like you've... Neil Peart is the passing of an era where there's no more... What about Rick Allen? Who, who the hell is that? <laughs> he's the one-armed drummer from Death Leopard. Death oh. Leopard. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about, <laughs> I was thinking about that, too. Or, like, Lars. I, Lars Ulrich. Lars. Yeah. So I guess Lars would be, like, the last, like, like notable drummer that's, like, that's like alive, right? And, and he's still drumming. From, from Metallica. Yes. Right. Yeah. I, it's just... It's, it's, it's a weird thing that, like, like, you know, there was always a living legend, like, on the planet. And now there's not like like Lars is not known as a great drummer. He's known as the leader, like one of the leaders of Metallica, but he's not known for his drumming skills. Uh, I don't know. You might get some angry, angry fan mail. With, That's okay. From there, Bring it on. But uh, yeah. So anyway, why don't you end our episode on a, a slightly more upbeat note here? Why don't you uh, take this mug from me and, and top it off here? Yeah. So I'm going to recommend a game to everybody out there. Um, it's a party game. I think that you guys should all buy it. I went out and bought it after I played it on New Year's Eve with uh, Obert and friends at the New Year's Eve party we're at. And I'm going to go with Unstable Unicorn. Oh, nice. Yeah. That was a fun game. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'd never played it before. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it to the point where I went out and bought it on Walmart.com. It was like 14 bucks, 15 bucks, something like that. Yeah, there's two and, versions. Yeah, I bought the Not Safe for Work one. Okay. Basically, there's two versions of the game. One's normal and one's not safe for work. And it's basically Cards Against Humanity meets Magic the Gathering. That's the best way to describe it, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, if, you try to make, if you try to make Magic the Gathering into a party game. Chris, have you played this before? I have not. No. So it can be played with up to eight people. And with the not safe for work version, the, uh, the unicorns are a little bit risque, if you will. So uh, some of them may have type uh, some phallic objects in place of it's, horns it's, on their head. It's basically entirely sex is the whole deck. Yes. <laughs> uh, really good game, though. I recommend it. Um, even if you just go out and buy Unstable Unicorns, like the Safe for Work Edition, it's it's more PG-13 than it is R-rated. Um, but the game's really fun. There's a lot of a lot of strategy that goes into it. Put it this way. It... And it you have to be good. You have to be kind of lucky, but kind of good. Ben, our you know, listener of the pod and friend of the pod, joined in what twenty minutes into the game and still ended up winning just based on the strategy that he had alone. So it's just it, it's a it's a free for all game. It's a lot of fun. I recommend going going to get it. Unstable unicorns. And real quick, the objective of the game is to collect a certain number of unicorns in front of you, and other people can can hinder you with their cards and you can hinder others with their with other cards so so really it's it's you're it's everybody's out for themselves to try and collect these cards uh based on what you play and uh we had a lot of fun yeah i I had a lot of fun with it um i'm surprised it hasn't become more popular i don't know how long it's been out for but it just seems like one of those games like that would be fun and would be popular amongst a lot of people and i'd never heard of it until New Year's Eve. Is it made by the same company that made Exploding Kittens? It sounds like it would be. It's it's a similar it game like to it. Exploding Kittens. Oh, and yeah. yeah, it's it's built in the same box, kind of like the same rat like everything is kind of the same as Exploding Kittens from like a pre- 
presentation standpoint. Okay, all right. Because I played that before. It sounds familiar. You know, with a little bit of Google, I'm sure we probably... Yeah, I don't think so. It's not. It's a similar game, though. Yeah. And with that, we'd like to thank you all for listening. Um, We'd like to thank the breweries that provided today's beers. And I will go first with thanking Chimay for their Grand Reserve Ale, also known as the Chimay Grand Blue Beer. I would like to thank both Jenna for sending this to me and Eagle Brewery for the Banana Bread Beer. And I want to thank Revival Brewing Company for their Infinity Paw Hoppy Dark Ale. Uh, please head over to all social media and follow us at DAWF Podcast. That's Twitter, Untapped, Facebook, um, Discord, and Instagram. Also, hashtag follow the email at DAWFpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you're also heading over to Patreon. Um, you know, looking for funding now to go to Spencer Brewery. So go on over and, you know, head there so we can go do some cool brewery visits. Also, we'd like to be able to fund going to the Great American Beer Festival, people. So if you want to hear us go there, Go to Patreon and, you know, subscribe for as little as a dollar a month. Um, also, make sure you're heading over to the Discord channel uh, and participating in conversations over there about beer and the podcast and just everything in general. It could just be a general you know, conversation for all the listeners. Also, make sure you're going to iTunes and giving us a five-star rating and leaving a comment. It helps a lot more than you guys think. Helps people find our podcast helps more people find us also make sure if you see this if you see our posts on uh instagram and facebook just make sure you're sharing them and showing your friends uh we just want more people to to find out about our podcast and so with that my name's Tud. my name's chris and i'm obert and remember if you're drinking alone do it with friends now listeners don't go rushing but go listen to rush 2112 would be my favorite song Basically, I know, you know, it's not the not a, a song for everybody, but uh, you, you can't listen to 10 minutes of a rush singing 2112 and not, not feel something. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely definitely a song for me. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna I'm very partial to the trees. I love the trees. Dad? I like limelight. Limelight's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. That's yeah, good I one. think that that's I think that's probably my favorite. I also like YYZ though because I just think YYZ is cool. I was jamming out to that one yesterday, for sure. I was listening to some Russian Rio today while cooking dinner. But uh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Neil, you'll be missed. Yeah, R.I.P. Neil.